0: What's good, everybody? Thanks for checking out the podcast. I'm Craig Crash Collins, joined as always by Brandon Scott, otherwise known as B. Scott. We've got a great podcast planned for you guys. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about the Daytona 500 uh, from this weekend. We're also going to talk a little bit of baseball, talk about the kind of crazy offseason that it's been, not even from a personnel standpoint, but by just a sheer craziness standpoint with the Astros scandal and the new playoff format that's been introduced so we'll get into that as well also we're going to do a little bit of a different take on hot and cold where we go through each NFL team and tell you if the starting quarterback from last season is going to be the starting quarterback this next season it's going to be a lot of fun hope you stay tuned the Crash Course Podcast starts now Sometimes uh, we lift up the uh, curtain and let you guys know uh, kind of you know some of the behind the scenes stuff. So we we had originally planned to uh, record um, on Monday night. Uh, we were gonna let the Daytona 500 finish, um, and then we we're gonna start recording uh, the uh, podcast. Um, and so uh, you know because we we're gonna talk about that to lead off like we do every show. We have like a brief little topic, and so. You know, watching the daytona 500 getting ready to watch it finish um and so you know I, you know i've got it on um you know sound off kind of doing some other things um and of course the the big ticket thing to talk about the big thing to talk about here in this whole thing is is what happens on the last lap where ryan newman has the lead heading into the tri-oval uh, at daytona he's being pushed by ryan blaney uh Denny hamlin's coming to the outside to try to overtake him and to get the win um newman's car spins hits the wall makes uh heavy contact with the wall uh flips upside down gets hit by Corey lajoy um on the driver's side window um hamlin wins the race by a nose like literally the nose of the car was the difference over uh
1: second, second closest daytona 500 finish ever
0: Right, yeah, an incredible finish, um, but everybody was just so worried about Ryan Newman, and rightfully so. I, you know, I was telling you, B Scott, before we started recording that, um, you know, when I initially watched it, um, I thought he got hit in the windshield. The way his car was kind of upside down, the way it was kind of looked for, uh, the way it looked from that kind of widescreen shot, was that he got hit in the windshield, and I was trying to think like, okay, is the win- how durable is that windshield? Because obviously these cars are so, you know, built for safety, so construct, so safely constructed, um, and, you know, tested and tested and tested to make sure that if something like this happens, it's, you know, you know, the safety is the utmost concern. Um, and so... I thought that's what happened so like they keep cutting away to show Denny Hamlin I'm like no I we need to know what's going on with Ryan Newman obviously you know we weren't sure what was going on you know they still have to show you know Denny Hamlin all that stuff but like I was not concerned at all with Denny Hamlin I was like no you need to see what's going on with Ryan Newman um I know Denny Hamlin's taking a lot of flack um for his celebration and everything um you know he tweeted out uh, Monday morning that he, or excuse me, Tuesday morning, uh, that he, uh, that he took his earpiece out immediately after the race. So he didn't know what was going on with, uh, with Ryan Newman. Um, if, you know, the severity of the situation, um, and that kind of thing, the only, I mean, there's some things we could dive into on how the situation can be handled in the future. I mean, just because it's you know, just because no one's really to blame here doesn't mean that uh, that something can't be done. The only thing that I really had an issue with, and B Scott, we talked about how you know we you know nobody has any idea what's happening. Um, I guess what I'm getting at the only thing I really had an issue with was him doing donuts. But again, if he doesn't know, then that's you know obviously a whole other uh, conversation. Um, but yeah, the the thing that got me probably the most, like, oh crap, this is, this is really serious, this is, I mean, I knew it was serious, but like, the thing that really kind of drove it home was, you know, as they get ready to sign off for the broadcast, you know, they cut to Mike Joy and Jeff Gordon, and Jeff Gordon, who, you know, I'm a big fan of Jeff Gordon, he's my favorite driver, you know, I know he can get you know, very emotional in certain situations and in certain times, but you know, you could tell he was holding back tears. Um, and that's kind of what drove it home for me and you know, it was very worrisome. That's prob last night was probably the most I've refreshed Twitter um in a while as I'm you know, we were just kind of, you know, looking for some information. you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, we talk about how good you know social media can be and and how good you know it can be for information but in this instance you know you rely on it almost so much that you're like come on we need like we want to hear something we want to know what's going on um and so you know finally two hours later we hear that you know it's non-life-threatening injuries he's you know now it's come out earlier today that he's awake and alert so uh man i mean it it's You know, Jeff Gordon put it very well. As far as you know, we you know safety has come such a long way um, over the last 19, 20 years, but that still doesn't mean that there isn't that risk involved.
1: Right, and everything last, everything during the race or at the end of the race. Just for those of you that have actually followed racing closely in the years past. Um, anytime there is an incident like that, sometimes there's certain wording that is used that just doesn't point in a good direction, um, and just the lack thereof, inf- lack of information, is doesn't usually point in a good direction either. So, I was re- kept refreshing Twitter because I just wanted to know that what my gut was telling me was not true. My gut was telling me that we had lost Ryan Newman, to be honest. And I didn't want, you know, I don't want to put, didn't want to put any speculation out there, obviously. Um, I you know, but just some of the stuff, the way people were saying it, when Mike Joyce said, you know, Ryan Newman was uh, helped out of the car, taken in is being taken to a nearby hospital. And that's all we can report on at this time. That didn't speak very well to me. You know, a lot of people, and you could just see, I mean, obviously, Mike Joy has been there before. He's been there. He's done that. He's had to report on these types of things before. Jeff Gordon, on the other hand, this is really the first time he's ever been in that position with this type of situation, and you, his face just said it all. Um, the fact that he held it together was absolutely amazing. But him then saying that, typically, if you know, the, if that that, that wording. That way that Mike Joy put it, just didn't settle well with me. That made my gut feeling even more so. Uh, but typically, like, even with an in IndyCar recently, um, when Justin Wilson was tragically killed at Pocono uh, a few years ago, that was a lot, it was very reminiscent of that. But like, when Robert Wickens was uh, severely injured in an accident at Pocono, they did inform us that he was alert, he was awake. You no, know, those types of things were were reported immediately, but in the Justin Wilson incident, that was not reported immediately. Dan Weldon, that was not reported immediately. Those types of things, and then when they brought, they, it was reported that they brought out the black screens to block the view of fans in the stands. That's never usually a good sign either. And then also the report that uh, media were were told to leave the pit road area immediately that's also never a good sign in my book either because typically in these types of situations the drivers and the teams are usually the first people to know uh about any news so i mean maybe they were just trying to case that result ended up happening they didn't want the media to be around the drivers when they got that not- that they got that word um because obviously their emotions would basically tell the story um but as far as denny hamlin goes congratulations to him back-to-back daytona 500s that's awesome uh three of the he's won three in the last five years the only person to have done that it said was richard petty i mean that is that's some rare company right there so that that's really cool uh i i I don't blame uh denny hamlin for celebrating when he did because guess what You get caught up in the heat of the moment. You don't know what's going on. And like you and I were talking off air, Craig, like I said, how many times has Ryan Newman ended up in the air at either Daytona or Talladega? Quite frequently. How many times has Ryan Newman walked away? Quite frequently. So you you don't, your mind at that point in time because all you know is that Ryan Newman wrecked Yes, his car got put upside down. You went by the set up one time and you saw his car was upside down. And they were working on getting him out. Well, guess what? Initially, I when I first saw that wreck happen, I didn't see his car initially get hit by another car. I saw him upside down, going down the front, uh, going, you know, heading towards turn one on his roof. But it was leaned more towards on the driver's side window. And my initial thought was, oh, that sucks. It's gonna, it's gonna be hard for him to get out of there. They're going to have to flip that car over because it, it happens a lot. You you see cars get put up in the air frequently at like Daytona and Talladega. And like I said, it's not the first time it's happened to Ryan Newman. And I was more concerned about the gas that was dripping, leaking out of his car near that open flame than anything else because – at the time I did not know he got hit by another car really you know Denny Hamlin did not know that at that point in time the only person that knew that Ryan Newman got hit by another car in a very bad area was Corey LaJoy because Corey LaJoy was the car that hit Ryan Newman's car so not many people at that point in time that were in a position to tell Denny Hamlin knew anything whatsoever once Denny Hamlin found out Boom, celebration was completely shut down. NASCAR takes blame for shooting off confetti in Victory Lane. I think that's something that, you know, that may not even be on NASCAR. It's probably a worker at Daytona that is told when Denny Hamlin gets out of the car and stands up, you hit this button. And that's what what that person did. You know, they may not even have known what was going on with Ryan Newman at the time. So you can't put blame on anybody. I mean... Thank goodness Ryan Newman's walking away, and, you know, Denny Hamlin did get to celebrate some. Because it is a major accomplishment that Denny Hamlin achieved in this race. Back-to-back Daytona 500 wins. It's unheard of.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's he's, you know, been one... I mean, it, it's crazy to think that, you know, he's still, you know, being as dominant as he was, you know, back when... You know, I kind of lost touch with the sport, maybe you know, 10 or so years ago where I didn't follow it as closely, and back then he was still dominating, so it's still, you know, interesting to see him, you know, still be uh, as dominating. Now, the one thing that I kind of look at, you know, from this whole thing, and this wouldn't be, I guess it's more or less a question for you, B. Scott. Um, So, you know, is that that typical for them not to, because typically, you know, the way that, at least my understanding of the green-white checkered is that you get three attempts, and I was pretty sure that was the third attempt. If- well,
1: you know, you, you can get as you take as many attempts as it takes, but once you hit the okay, so this is this is where I, I do draw an issue with NASCAR for this whole situation because once that white flag comes out, if any incident happens, the next flag ends the race, whether it's a caution or the checkered flag. So you have to get – you you're, you'll do as many attempts as it takes to get to that white flag. You have to get the white flag for the race to become official then. They technically should have thrown the caution flag right. That's what I was thinking. earlier in that after the white flag came out because Chase Elliott spun. Chase Elliott wrecked <laughs> at, right after that white flag came out. And at that point in time, Denny Hamlin still would have been the winner. At that point, Denny Hamlin was the leader when that when Chase Elliott spun after the white flag. So, had that happened, had NASCAR decided, okay, that's it. But I, I understand. I mean, NASCAR they cannot predict the future. They cannot predict that Ryan Newman's going to end up upside down and in serious condition in the hospital. I understand that. And when Chase Elliott wrecked, he was basically at the back of a fifteen car pack, which was the, the back. And he was not going to be in the way of any racing going on. So obviously you want the race to finish out and let it the drivers actually drive. So it makes sense that they did not throw the flag. But you know, I'm sure the, I'm sure officials are sitting there going, Had we made that decision? Had we thrown the caution when Chase Elliott spun out, this whole situation never would have happened.
0: Right. And like I
1: said, you you can't predict the future. You can't. And obviously, at that point in time, fans would have been furious that NASCAR threw the caution for something that was not going to affect the race for the win
0: well and i and I mean and maybe they've i mean I think they've done a good job about getting away from some of the frivolous cautions that they used to throw oh, um yeah, yeah. but but um i you know and like I said, like just because a situation is blameless like it's a freak accident doesn't mean there's not something to be learned from it, and doesn't mean that there can't be something. You know, to be done about it in the future. That's all I'm saying. I wasn't saying it's NASCAR's fault or anything like that. No, oh, like, no, no.
1: I'm just saying that it's just kind of one thing that you you go, what if?
0: Right, right, for now, sure. But
1: at the same time, we all we would have been right here, right now, complaining about them doing that and saying we we didn't really get to see who had the be- who could have made a move there at the end.
0: Right. But and-
1: all in all, I do have to say this. That was a really really good Daytona 500.
0: Oh yeah, it was... That was probably one of the
1: better Daytona 500s here in recent memory. And I I just wish they would not do it to open the season. I know it's tradition, but oh my gosh, because then you start going to the same old same old type speedways. It's, it becomes the Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick show all over again. And I just love Daytona. I love Talladega, the excitement of those tracks because it's edge of your seat the entire time it is the types of tracks that stage racing is perfect for because you have people making those race ending moves on lap 64 it's amazing i love it but you know that's not going to change that's just my opinion i just wish it was middle of the year or something like that but
0: well, hey, and, I mean, I think it's cool because you got to take it all in and witness it and all that stuff with your son, um, which, you know, I saw – when I saw that post on uh, on Facebook, I was like, man, th- those, are, those are great moments. I mean, obviously, you know, I don't have kids of my own, but, um, I, you know, it made me think – that post made me think of, you know, really kind of the first sports memory that I have with my dad, which was going to the brickyard um, – you know, back when I was, I think, I think I was eight years old. I can't remember. It was 1998, so maybe that's where I'm getting eight from. I guess it would have been seven or eight. Yeah. Anyway, not important. Um, But, uh, you know, and that was just, you know, an insanely awesome time. And obviously you didn't go to the race, but, you know, it, it's still a cool moment that you got to share with your son, which I thought was awesome.
1: Yeah, just don't tell him, though, that we ended up on Sunday watching the 2019 Daytona 500. <laughs> uh, he was kind of fussy and... Not feeling too well last night or the night on Monday night, so uh yeah, he didn't watch the race then, but uh actually no he did he did watch the race um near the end, so he he did get to see some of it, but I was upstairs having to help my daughter take a bath so <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we watched the two thousand nineteen race together, but you know he's two months old he doesn't know either way
0: exactly see it was just entertainment no matter what now. Entertainment, no matter what, I think is the thought process behind the new uh, MLB playoff format. Cause that's what we're gonna swing into a little bit. Um, you know, some MLB hot topics here um, as we as we kind of get into the more meat and potatoes of the podcast. Um, so um, so for those of you that don't know, um, there there is a new playoff format that was uh, brought to the forefront um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, where, you know, don't worry, the The rant is coming, I, you know, I, I, I it, it anyway, <laughs> let's get into it, uh, it's, it would involve 14 teams, which, already, right off the bat, one of the things that makes baseball so great is the fact that you, yes, you play 162 games, yes, the regular season is six months long, but also you know it, there's you know only you know only a third of the league makes the playoffs 10 out of 30 teams and less than you know 33% of the league so probably around 30%, 25%, whatever, actually play more than one game because of the wild card game, and I think that is great because that the the whole reason why the baseball season is as long as it is is because you baseball is such a crazy sport where you have ebbs and flows. You can go, you know, you can start the season 20 and six, and then you'll know, go through a stretch of the season where you know you may go under 500 for a month you may you know you may have a bad month and a half where you can't seem to win more than one or two games in a row and the the length of the season is supposed to kind of account for that and that's why it's so Um, that's why the season is so long, but that's why it's so necessary to be as long. Now, you know, if you cut it down by two games to made it just a flat 160, I mean, I think that would be fine, but, like... It, 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 that's why you have such a long season, so you don't have to have the entire league in the playoffs, basically. So 14 teams would entail three division leaders from each league and four wild card teams, which there is not a league except for the NBA. Actually, I think the NBA and NH, NHL might be like this, where more card teams, quote-unquote, are in the playoffs than division winners. But that's because division... Uh, division winners in those two sports don't matter at all. They don't matter to seeding. They don't matter if you win it. I couldn't tell you. I honestly, I I couldn't tell you what the divisions are in the NBA or hockey. At you know, I couldn't tell you what they're called, what they're you know, actual you know, or who's even won it the last couple of years. Um, whereas I could tell you who's won the NFC East. I could tell you who's won the A- the AL Central. Um, so the best team uh, from each league will get a, a buy into the division series. That's that's being spun and talked about as this as if that's an incentive. The number one team already has a buy into the division series. The only two teams that have to play before the division series are the wild card teams. <laughs> so the, and and I've been you know some of the people who have defended this whole playoff format have said, oh, well, it's an incentive for that number one team to win um, because, you know, they won't have to play. Because cause the proposal is that it would be a best of three um, instead of just one wild card game. Um, but the thing is, is that you already have an incentive to be number one because you get to host every playoff game potentially. Like, I don't understand, like, that. Like that's your incentive. to Your incentive to be the best is that you will play at home more often than not. I don't think there's a better incentive than that. Um, so, then, yeah, the wild card round will be a best of three. Higher seed hosts every game. And then here's where it just gets completely out of whack. Teams will pick their opponents by order of seeds. So, number two will pick from six, seven, and eight uh or no i think it's yeah 5 6 and 7 number 3 picks from the remaining two and number 4 plays whoever is left it's meant to create kind of a selection sunday like feel but here's basically what needs to happen if we're going to do if that's a thing that we're going to do where you know teams pick whatever let's just officially get rid of divisions in sports because that's what you would want to do again because at that point, you know, if you're trying to do a selection Sunday type deal, well then, let's not worry about anything else. Let's just make it, you know, one... Let's just go through the whole season. You have all 30 teams, and then a committee picks which teams are in the playoffs. That's just as ludicrous as... Yeah, if the if the Cubs don't feel like facing the Diamondbacks, then they get to choose a different team. Like that doesn't like, I don't know. It it's just so completely ludicrous and so just it's just silly. It's it's silly and you know, I, and and based on some of the comments that, you know, the commissioner has made where he called the uh, – now he's apologized for it since, but called the, uh, the World Series trophy just a hunk of metal. Th- these two things put together make me think that, like, does he wish he was the commissioner of, like – you know does he wish that he like was the head of the ncaa instead of the baseball commissioner because he, it seems like he just doesn't really care too much about baseball um you know from those two things so yeah just a completely silly proposition uh you know it, it's funny because you know i'll get into this a little bit later when we talk about how we quote unquote fix baseball um and i i you know, I, I've heard it. I've heard this proposal defended by, oh well, you know, the people that don't like this just you know need to break from tradition, like you know we you know whatever. It's you know tradition isn't everything, and I'm like, no, we're 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 breaking the wrong traditions. We're breaking the traditions that are common sense, that are sanity, not the ones that actually could use some tweaking.
1: Yeah, it. it I'm you know I'm always for making changes uh to kind of keep things exciting but this one just doesn't make any sense this one just kind of seems like making change for the sake of making change and i don't know it, it's just it's a lot to think about now i mean some of the roster moves i can understand those i mean obviously you're going to tweak those things here and there that is what that is but the whole playoff stuff i mean leave it alone leave it alone it i <sighs> If it's about getting more teams in the playoffs, no, we don't. Nobody who wants that other than the teams, teams that, you know, like the third place team in the AL East or fourth place team in the AL East, maybe, but come on, let's, let's leave it alone. Uh, Don't fix what's not broken. You know, it's a great playoff system. You already have a lot of incentive to be the number one team in your, in your division you can, or, you know, your league. You, you There's already a lot of incentive there. Let, let's look at other things that need to be fixed rather than trying to reinvent the wheel with the postseason. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't like it, I, you know, but, you know, I, I'm not one that is finally in tune with baseball. Maybe this is exactly what the players want. If this is what the players want, by all means, you know it's their it's their game. But
0: uh, even though I don't it's know. It, even though it's not a large sample size, um, I have heard uh, basically as far as like the it, it seems the more in tune you are with baseball, the less that you've liked this proposal. And like for instance, there was a video on YouTube. Uh, Trevor Bauer, I didn't realize had a YouTube channel. It's called Momentum. Um, and he basically has a whole video saying all the problems that Major League Baseball has and why this is so ludicrous. And, may, and the main thing why the players, like, at the very core of why the players don't like this is because, okay, so the, the first round's a best of three, which means that if you're the number one team, so you're the... Um, I'm trying to think of who was number one. I think was what the uh, uh, you know in the um, in the NL last year. I'm trying to think of who was number one. I can't for some reason think. But anyway, if you're you no, know, if you're the Dodgers, you know you get to you know you get a week off basically. Like baseball is about being in a rhythm. Baseball is about like having everything. You know. You know. Basically, well, well, but room. but you can't go a week without you know facing competitive pitching. You can't go. Uh. Oh. You know. You're if you're. You know. Like Trevor Bauer says in the video. Heaven forbid that you're like if for instance in the Dodgers scenario if Clayton Kershaw pitches the Thursday before you know the end of the season then he's going to be off for 10 days, like, you can't have, like, the more that you play, the better you are, and I understand, like, yeah, you know, it's like that in football, it's like that in basketball, but it's, it's a little less than that, because LeBron, for instance, LeBron James is going to be on his game, whether he plays once, you know, every week, or once every month, but, Like Clayton Kershaw, while he's still going to be a good pitcher, is not going to be as crisp if he hasn't pitched in a month. Basically, you know, you need that, you know, you need that repetitiveness, you need that tuning in, you know, you need to get in that kind of a zone uh, in baseball, and that's that's kind of the driving reason why players don't like it. Um, And 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 like I said, I mean, you know, depending on how close you are to baseball is kind of whether or not you are for or against it. But yeah, it's it's just. It, basically, what Trevor Bauer even says in the video is that it's it's the, what baseball needs to start focusing on is marketing their players and doing a better job of engaging, you know, its fans rather than being like, yeah, let's just kind of throw these random rule changes in and just kind of see what happens.
1: Right. They just need to get somebody in charge that actually understands the game of baseball, and I don't think uh, Rob Manfred is that uh that that person. Um, I don't think he gets it.
0: Yeah, I, it's it's really starting to feel that way. Um, now there are um, some other rule changes uh, that are going to be instituted this season. Um, the rosters are going to be expanded from uh, 25 to 26. Um, so I like that you can add an extra pitcher. You have a room. You have room. Um, basically, I, I mean, I'm assuming teams will kind of use that. Um, you know, they'll have an extra pitcher, and then for instance, if You know, if – let's say if you're the Cubs, Chris Bryant is a little nicked up, but you don't want to put him on the 10-day DL. You can kind of, you know, send a pitcher down and use that roster spot for that. So that will be pretty beneficial. Um, There will be – oh, and and also uh, in September when the roster usually expands to 40, it will now only expand to 28, which I think is a good move um, because you don't need – you know, typically it's not ever the full 40 anyway because it's honestly just at that point your 40-man roster – is all at the major league level because, um, the minor league seasons have ended, so whoever's on your 40-man roster is who will be called up automatically during September, and so, um you know i think that's the right move a lot of times it's not even the full 40 and and not full all 40 ever even play so i think that's a good move uh also they've added the uh pitcher um the uh, three batter minimum for pitchers where the pitcher must face at least three batters uh, unless the inning uh, ends or pitcher is injured i'm actually for this one um it's mainly guarded at pace of play now as someone who does like the strategy of baseball and how, you know, you can play the different matchups, um, you know, it I, it I would imagine it's basically it's mainly geared to the playoffs and if, you know, if you're gearing a rule kind of to the playoffs, then you don't and then why not put it in the regular season as well instead of throwing kind of a wrench into things come the postseason because basically, you know, games can take upwards of Three and a half, four, four and a half hours, um, especially in the postseason when you're, you know, okay, well it's the fourth inning, let's get somebody up to face this one batter, and okay, we, he faced him, all right, let's get somebody up to face, you know, they'll, you know, sometimes use, you know, six, seven, eight different pitchers. Um, it seems like for three innings of, of work basically, and and uh, and so that's why that's been instituted. I actually like it because. Like I'm sorry if it screws over some like lefty specialist, you know, over in you know, uh, over in Texas or whatever it might be, but uh, I think you know it 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 means that oh I think overall it kind of requires you to have more quality relievers, which I think is a good thing. Um, well, and also it
1: it speeds up the game. I mean, right? It, how many times do you get into those? Middle to late innings of a playoff game, and you you're spending 20 minutes every every three minutes warming up a new, like bringing out a new pitcher because they brought somebody out just to face one batter. It feels like you know if you if you're really wanting to talk about pace of play, which is a big issue in Major League Baseball, this is a huge step in that right direction. I mean, there was times where you would see like three different, maybe even potentially four different pitchers in one single inning in the playoffs and it just made things go on forever and, and for casual fans they turned it off after a while they're like this is I'm tired of watching commercials
0: right and well I, 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 I want
1: to see consistent
0: action yeah that's i think the next thing that needs to be instituted um and i don't know how easy or 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 uh, how not easy it would be but uh, cuz you'll see a guy throw eight, you know, he'll throw, let's say eight to 15 pitches in the bullpen, uh, maybe more, probably more, you know, maybe along the lines of 20, but, and then he'll come out and throw eight more, uh, at, you know, after coming out, uh, you know, and, I mean, maybe you need that extra bit of warm up. I don't know. Uh, I'm not, I've never been a major league baseball player, but I mean, that's another thing that I, I know people have brought up too, um, where why, you know, why would you, after just, throwing 20 25 pitches in the bullpen why do you need to throw eight more once you're now on the mound and maybe it's just getting used to the mound i don't know anyway yeah,
1: think- because it's probably my guess is i don't mind that it's obvious because obviously they're getting out there they're you know they're trying to get the mound comfortable for them obviously and then also trying to get their their sights you know, right. making sure they're on target with because this is a different capture than what they were working with in the bullpen. This is you know the, now there's fans sitting behind them. That, they're just trying. To, I understand that, and so that but that's why I'm, I'm I'm glad that they're instituting a three batter minimum.
0: Also, another uh, rule change would be that managers have 20 seconds to challenge instead of 30. That honestly uh for you know as far as I'm concerned it's kind of inconsequential yeah it's 10 fewer seconds but it kind of forces those snap decisions which (laughs) if you watch some games is not really enforced honestly anyway sometimes you'll see them because basically what ends up happening is you see the manager turn back at the replay guy the replay guy's on the phone with the replay guy that's you know up in the press box or wherever they have them and they're just waiting and sitting there for you know 25 30 you know sometimes longer um so i think it makes you it, it makes you make those snap decisions you know and, and kind of makes you kind of fine-tune what you're going to challenge so you're not going to maybe challenge the guy that you know his his cleat barely came off the the bag and so he's technically out you you know maybe it'll it'll limit less of those and And, you know, and create kind of more uh, efficient, more effective challenges than, you know, some of the ones that you see. So I do like that as well. So I brought it up a little bit earlier, you know, how would you fix baseball? We kind of talked about this um, a little bit, Um, you know, uh, I think it was maybe a year or two ago on the podcast we talked about, you know, it was the first kind of wave of potential rule changes that could come down for baseball, um and uh, I I think how you quote unquote fix b- baseball because I, I say it in air quotes because I I think baseball is fine the way it is. Um I think the, I, as far as the on field product now you know I I do agree with you know what like I said I brought up the Trevor Bauer video I do agree you know that and I'm inclined to believe a player who's actually in the league that it needs to be marketed better because you know the reason why. You know, basketball right now is talking about a you know in-season tournament and has over half the teams in the playoffs, no matter whether they're above 500 or below 500, is um, because they've done such a great job of marketing the, their players and, and giving everybody a personality and that kind of thing. And that's I think what needs to happen, um, you know, with with baseball in general. So, but as far as the on-field product, I think. I think you need to uh, get rid of divisions. I think, first of all, I, I, I think they need to get rid of divisions across all of sports. I brought that up a little bit earlier um, because – I, I guess,
1: don't know. Not across all sports. Well, I'm it's, it's perfectly okay in the NFL. Right.
0: But what happens every time we – every time a team – like this year with the NFC East, a team – you know you people start realizing towards the end of the season that the 49ers or Seahawks are going to have to play a game on the road because the team can't you know teams in the NFC East can't decide who wants to win the dang thing um people start talking about reseeding and all that stuff where you know as, as soon as a team you know maybe doesn't do as well as some as a different team that, you know, that's in a tougher division. Like, that's what, you know, basically, any time that it becomes inconvenient, people will talk about getting rid of them anyway, so why not just get rid of them in general? Uh, because, I mean, in my opinion, it just, at at that point, we could just, okay, you take, you know, in, in football, the, which, by the way, I think the playoff format in the NFL is probably the best um, as far as, you know, having, You know, a a decent amount of teams, but also making sure that division winners matter and all that stuff. So, um, but, you know, I don't know. That way you'd have top six from the NFC, top six from the AFC. In Major League Baseball, you'd have the top five get in. The top, you know, from each division, no questions asked. Or from each league, no questions asked. Basketball, like I said, doesn't matter anyway. Um and hockey it doesn't matter anyway. So I, I think, you know, yes, the NFL probably does the best job of incorporating the divisions, but like I said, anytime time that, you know, a team's gonna go eight and eight and win the NFC East, we talk about doing away with them anyway.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh, I I mean I guess that makes sense, but I don't know. I like the, right, the division rivalries and everything.
0: Right, but I mean it. It's not like you can't still have them because basically, what it would what it would do is it would, in my opinion, it would just cut down on, you know, play within or play outside of your conference. So, like, you may not see is you know you're gonna play every team from your. League or conference, anyway, you just maybe won't play teams from the other side, which I think is perfectly fine. And you're gonna have those rivalries, I think, regardless. Because I mean, for instance, how many times does IU and Purdue play in football every year? Once. They don't. They don't play three different games in one season. You know, and you and that's still fine. So I don't think you need to have, you know, multiple multiple games for that rivalry to still be there
1: yeah i guess you're right
0: um so i so you know maybe maybe getting rid of divisions is kind of a broad over overarching comment that i have for the you know the entire sporting world um but uh uh i think definitely in baseball i would be in favor of it just so that way you know i I think it would be interesting to have you know two 15 uh you know 15 team leagues um although at that point you might as well expand to 32 i don't mean i say might as well like it's an easy thing to do but that way it's 16 but anyway um so that's what you know that's what i would do get rid of divisions you know in parentheses across all sports and then the second thing would be heck i really like what the uh what the nba is doing where they're talking about having an in-season tournament baseball in college starts off with some ter- with tournaments that are in warm places and that kind of stuff. Hey, you know where they're at for spring training? Warm places, Arizona, Florida. What if, you know, what if the teams had a tournament, I don't know the logistics of what you'd have to do, but what if there was a tournament played with all the spring training teams in um you know, in Florida, all the spring train teams in, uh, Arizona, and then there's a three-game series for the champion, uh, uh, in, like, Texas or some place like that, it would take some time out of the first part of the season, but that's when it's cold anyway, that's when it's, in most places, obviously not for LA or for any place like that, but, like, you know, it, I, and, and this is kind of what I was getting to earlier where I said, you know, p- you know, people who are defending the new playoff format are saying things like oh well you know we just you know need to break from tradition no the traditions we need to break from are the length of the season I'm open for having a shorter season if it means we can have you know a a, you know if it means that we don't have to do that (laughs) that new playoff format I you know I'm open to talking about the length of the season if it needs to be shortened a little bit or if, if, if some things need tweaking I'm open to having you know to kind of, not necessarily getting rid of opening day, but like, okay, so opening days at, you know, teams' respective stadiums is a month later, or two or three weeks later, when it's at least a little bit warmer, like, you know, I'm I'm open for things like that, not you know blowing up the whole playoff system which you know that's what my my third and final you know kind of bullet point to fix baseball would be to make the wild card round a best of three i think if you tweak the end of the season a little bit made it you know the wild card game wild card whatever a uh, a best of three i don't think it would disrupt things too much if you started it you know because basically the the season ends on a sunday division series starts on uh Thursday and Friday so i think you could potentially start the wild card series on Tuesday it would be over um on Thursday and then you would start on Saturday and then and then you know for the other league it would be Wednesday through Friday and you'd start Sunday i don't think that would be too much it might be kind of drifting into what we we're talking about earlier with with you know a long break in between games, but at least i the wild card around being three games, I'm good with, I just don't need eighteen wild card teams,
1: <laughs> right, yeah, so for me i I love the change, like I said of making a three batter minimum for uh pitchers. I love that, I mean obviously unless there's injury. um the biggest change that i i mean that I would make um you know i do like i agree with the three game wild card the best of three wild card series i think that would be exciting i, I do like that but the biggest thing i want to add that they have in the minors they talked about adding it in the majors but is a pitch clock there's i want this i want the pace of play to be picked up you know and guess what if you have a pitch clock, that's, that may not give enough. Give teams enough time to steal your signs, too. I know things are going to be moving, so they won't have enough time to study everything, so throw in a pitch clock. I think that uh, picks the pace up a little bit. Um, and, you know, maybe have some fun, have games at different places. I don't know. I mean, you know, they, yeah, they do the series in London and everything. That's okay, but I don't know but maybe once in a while have the major league teams play at a minor league park i i don't know kind of shake things up to get fan bases energized again you know i feel like that if you're not a fan of the chicago cubs new york yankees los angeles dodgers or boston red Sox, or maybe even the cincinnati reds it's they're just kind of a dull fan base to be honest and I don't know, if you're trying to if you go to into other your team's minor league parks and they drum up the uh fan base for your with your minor league team.
0: Yeah, and they right. already they already do things like that with like the uh, the little league classic and they've had games at like uh military bases before and that kind of thing, which is pretty cool. Um and that would be kind of like a thing along the lines of like a beginning of the season tournament. I mean, what better way to kind of give back to the community that you know because com- I mean you, you think about it the the sp- the communities that have spring training teams like that's the biggest thing going on that year I mean yeah they have minor league teams but they legitimately have you know um, you know major league teams in their facilities for however long so I mean that's pretty crazy to think about so having a, t- a tournament like that at the beginning of the season would be great um. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm 100% with you. I was I was a little worried, though. I thought when you said what they've done in the minor leagues, that they talked about putting in the major leagues, I thought you were going to talk about where they put the uh, the batters that are runners at the first and the second to start, like, after the 13th inning in extra inning games. I was like, that's something I never want to see.
1: No, 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 no. That, that, that disrupts the actual game, like, longevity of the game itself. I, I don't like that. Uh, but, yeah, a pitch clock, I think – would really help.
0: Now you brought up uh, sign stealing when you were talking about the pitch clock. Uh, that's kind of going to be the final thing we talk about in the world of baseball. Um, so just kind of you know some further things with the Astros uh, sign stealing scandal. Uh, the uh, Houston owner, uh, Houston's owner uh, Jim Crane, had a press conference um, and claimed the sign stealing didn't impact the game. Which I mean. Completely ludicrous, um I mean it's just it, it's an you know it, it kind of goes into what I'm gonna get into here in a second, but you know it's just c- complete delusion on the side of the Astros uh Rob Manfred had a press conference on Sunday where he said he would have liked to have punished the players, but he granted them Im- immunity so that that way they would testify. um he was not certain there were no buzzers. Um, and that retaliation will not be tolerated. Um, of course, retaliation meaning, you know, I'm pretty sure the Houston Astros are going to lead the league and hit by pitch this season. Um, but, it, you know, and it kind of it, – it kind of, it, what stinks about it is that, you know, when the first initial punishment for the Houston Astros – well, the only punishment that's been handed out to the Houston Astros first came out, I defended – um Rob Manfred's uh you know punishment because I thought it was it was harsh it was you know not har- like not super harsh but it definitely was still you know a a good punishment in my mind but I mean yeah you've granted the players immunity but at this point the players have just almost outwardly basically been like yeah you know we're the 2017 World Series champions yeah, we cheated, but and, you know, and we're sorry that we got caught. But you know, hey, 2017 World Series champions, and you know, I've talked with uh, you know Chris, who sometimes fills in on the on the podcast as well, you know, at length about this whole thing, and you know, there's you know, there's been players that have come out and said that the 2017 title needs to be stripped. And I typically am not someone who is for things like that, but when we talk about things like that, it's typically, oh, Louisville was using unsavory methods to recruit players, and so you know, you know, let's strip their 2013 title away. Well, those were all, you know, that's something that was, happened off the court. You know, let's let's strip USC of these wins because Reggie Bush got a loan from somebody um, that he shouldn't have gotten a loan from, um, you know, but that, those are all off the field things, whereas the, what the Houston Astros did directly impacted the game, and the fact that they're so defiant about it is just, like, it doesn't sit well, and, like, because all they literally have to do is come out and just have a sincere apology, and I know that this is kind of an oxymoron here, but, like, you don't even have to mean it just per, just make it sound like you mean it like we like all, that's, all we want is for you guys to acknowledge that what you did was wrong you'll never do it again and uh you know yes i wish the punishment was was harsher um but it just this whole thing is just gone from okay it was handled it was it was decent punishment to man i don't know what we do from here but you know i i don't i don't like the idea of stripping titles but we need to send the message that this will not be tolerated and and if you do this again you know if anybody does this again like you you will have your title taken away you will not be the world series champion i'm not saying put a different team in their place say okay well the dodgers won in 2017 but i mean something further needs to-
1: all the talk to be done with it hey come on let's just actually get out and let's go play baseball because that's all everybody's talking about. Like even yesterday, there was now ESPN's throwing around tweets about of, of LeBron James weighing in on it. Like, guys, who cares anymore? It's done. It's over. Not the public opinion doesn't matter anymore. You know, it's not just because everybody's enraged and angry about it. Doesn't it not mean that the punishment's going to change? It's not. It's done. It's handed down. Let's move on. And let's look at how we can combat against this in the future. Because you know what, the MLB came out and said, guess what? We aren't, we weren't just getting complaints about the Astros and the Red Sox. We were getting complaints about a lot of other teams too. Now th- those complaints, nothing was validated behind those complaints. But there's still a lot of complaints that happen. So guess what? Let, let's let's now sit around and let's figure out how we can combat against this. How can this go? How can we change this? so that it doesn't happen again in the future. Let's not talk about how can we punish the people that did this in the past. Let's talk about how we can fix it going forward.
0: Yeah, I I mean and I agree with that. It's just I don't like at this point like it, like let's say and and I I you know, I have thought about this, you know, past few days. I'm like if you're the if you're the Dodgers cuz if there's one team that I as just a fan would give kind of a pass to for something like this, it would be the Dodgers, because there's been at least some unsavory things happening to them in, in two World Series, um, which obviously, I don't, you know, the the Red Sox is not nearly to the extent of the Astros, or at least as far as we know. Um, but, you know, if if you're telling me the Dodgers... You know, like let's say next year the Dodgers do exactly what the Astros did. You know, honestly, if you know, what's to say they're not? You know, what's what's to stop them from doing this? Okay, we're 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 gonna get to keep our title. None of our players are gonna get suspended. We're going to lose a little bit of money as a team, but it's not gonna come out of our actual payroll. That you know, we need to make sure. Like, it, yes, we're gonna get fined. It's going to you know, it's going to hurt, you know, our owner, but it's going to be a fraction of what, you know, it's going to be pocket change to our owner. It's going to be pocket change to our organization. It doesn't come out of, you know, the same money that is used to go after free agents. We're going to lose a couple of draft picks, but at least we got our World Series. Like, I don't, like, there needs, like, yes, I mean, I don't know what you do at this point. You probably don't do anything, but I don't know that there's enough there to combat, like, to combat this going forward, because if I'm a team, honestly, if if I look at what the what what the Astros have gotten away with both before the punishment and after the punishment, I mean, I feel like the the benefit far outweighs the cost.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just I'm tired of hearing about it. To be honest, <laughs> and I'm, I'm like. I'm ready just for baseball to be played. I mean, that's – you are going and talking to uh, pitchers and catchers at spring trainings. You're not talking – that most of the talk is not about how, what their upcoming season's looking like. It, it's all about, so how do you feel about the Houston Astros? What's your thoughts on the Houston Astros and the, the sign-stealing scandal? What, what are your thoughts on this? Let's focus on the upcoming season. You know, I mean – we have a full season of baseball that's just getting ready to get started here, and we're we're talking about stuff that happened in the past. And that's what we're focused on so greatly is the past. It's time, I'm done with it. Let's move on.
0: <laughs> hey, I, I am with you on that front. And yeah, let's go ahead and and move on to uh, to some other things here. So we're gonna do something a little bit different um for uh, for our hot and cold. normally, you know, we we br- you know bring out a topic and then ask some questions about it. This time it'll be a little bit different. Um, we're going to uh, basically predict, give our thoughts on who will be the starting quarterbacks for each team in the NFL uh, for Week One of the 2020 season. So I'm going to read off a quarterback. Who I mean, I, I was going to do who started the last game, but obviously people rested their starters, so it's going to be based off of who I would imagine is number one on these teams' depth charts. Um, And hot means we think they're going to be there next season. Uh, Cold means that we don't think they're going to be the quarterback for that team going uh, into 2020, and then we're going to tell you who we think is going to be there um, instead. So we'll go uh, division by division um, through uh, the AFC, and then we'll go to the NFC. So we'll start first with the AFC East. And for the Patriots, for me, uh, so obviously the quarterback, you know, QB1 on the roster right now is Tom Brady. I'm going to say that's a hot take. I think Tom Brady is going to be the quarterback for the Patriots in 2020. Um, You know, we've we've heard – a lot of speculation about where he could potentially go, uh, some of the main ones, you know, for a while, the rumor was possibly, like, Indianapolis or LA, then the rumor was that he could potentially be going to San Francisco, which doesn't make any sense to me, um, and so, um, you know, basically, the longer that this has gone on, the more and more, I think, now, obviously, you know, I, you know, obviously, there's a certain amount of time before you can actually sign free agents, but, um, and so that's another reason why it's taken kind of as long, but, you know, Josh McDaniels is going to be back, uh, for the Patriots. You know, I I think there may be another player or two away. Um, you know, basically the big issue was that there was nobody to take the pressure kind of off Julian Edelman and spread the field like, you know, Antonio Brown would have, like Rob Gronkowski had done. Um, and so I think that that's, not necessarily a easy problem to fix, but that is an easier problem to fix than, oh, hey, your entire offensive line needs to be redone or something like that. So um, I, I think it's an easy enough problem to fix. Um, and so, uh, you know, and really, I mean, honestly, the only three situations – uh that make the most sense for me are you know for tom brady are the patriots the cowboys and the colts the colts i don't know if that's going to happen the patriot or the uh the the cowboys you know makes sense from a personnel standpoint doesn't make sense from the standpoint that they already have a good quarterback in place in Dak, Dak prescott so i'm gonna go with the patriots i think he stays there uh for the bills um josh allen that's a hot take they run it back heck i you know Honestly, if we were to make our predictions for the league uh this year, um right now I think I might shoot, you know go a little crazy and pick the Bills to win the AFC East. That's how confident I am uh that they're going to be back in the playoffs this next year. So, Josh Allen, you know, a hot take for sure. The Jets are still all in on Sam Darnold, so that's a hot take. Uh he's their quarterback. Uh and then for the Miami Dolphins, they uh their QB one on the depth chart right now will be Ryan Fitzpatrick. That of course is going to be a cold take. I do think they draft uh, Tua with uh, the fourth pick. I know there's been a little bit, you know, as more and more mock drafts come out, there's been speculation that someone might trade um, to get in front of the Dolphins to get Tua. Um, I, you know, I don't I, obviously the Bang. I don't think the Bengals are going to take him. Uh, I don't think the Redskins are going to take him. They just took a quarterback last year. Um, I, you know, the Lions are kind of tough to kind of figure out. Um, but they do still have Matt Stafford, who, uh, I mean, yeah, he's had his injury issues, but, you know, he has got to the playoffs before. So um, we'll kind of see on that. So those are the teams in front of the Dolphins. so I, I feel pretty good about saying that two will be the quarterback for the Dolphins in 2020. All
1: right. So the Patriots, Tom Brady, I'm going to say that's a cold take. Uh, there seems to be some bad blood brewing between Tom Brady and Robert Kraft, based on some things that were that happening uh, over the past couple of years with uh, Tom's TB12 training program. Um, so honestly, I, I feel like Tom Brady's time in New England's done, and I feel like you know it's, they're going to move on and they're going to uh, figure they're going to figure out something different. Bills, Josh Allen, hot take. No explanation needed there. Jets, Sam Darnold, hot take, mostly because they sold the farm to try to go get him. And uh, he's a good quarterback. He is a good quarterback. It's just the Jets are just a uh, a, a dumpster fire of a franchise right now. Dolphins, Ryan Fitzpatrick, that's definitely a cold take. Um, Obviously, they're going to take a quarterback in the draft, whether that's Tua or Justin Herbert, uh, whoever the best quarterback uh, at the time is. Um, heck, they may, even, they may even hear the rumblings that Joe Burrow's not happy and wanting to go to, not wanting to go to Cincinnati, and they may look to make a trade to get Joe Burrow. So, obviously, the Dolphins have a lot of options available to them in the draft, so they're going to be moving forward with a rookie quarterback rather than Ryan Fitzpatrick, or as we like to call him, Fitzmagic.
0: Looking at the AFC North, um, so uh, top to bottom here, Ravens, Lamar Jackson, obviously the uh, reigning MVP, is going to be back and ready to go 2020 Week 1 for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. For the Steelers, uh, their quarterback one at least towards the end of the year was Devlin Hodges. Uh, That's because of the injury to Ben Roethlisberger, so that's why that's technically a cold take. Ben Roethlisberger is going to come back although I mean heck that could have been kind of a you could have gone a different direction with that because Ben Roethlisberger has flirted with retirement before but I don't think that's the way he wants to go out so Ben Roethlisberger will be back for the Steelers in 2020 uh Baker Mayfield um is going to be back for the Cleveland Browns that's a hot take um and then for the Cincinnati Bengals Andy Dalton would be their QB1 I think right now um but that is a cold take Joe Burrow is is gonna be their quarterback. He's gonna be the who they take with the number one overall pick. I mean unless, like you said, B. Scott, um there's some sort of, you know some sort of rumblings there that he, you know, doesn't want to be taken there. Um but uh uh you know, I, I do think that's gonna be what ends up happening. Joe Burrow does end up uh with the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: Alright. So obviously Lamar Jackson is definitely the Ravens quarterback moving forward. I mean he's the the MVP, let's be honest the Steelers, this is an interesting one because you just don't know what Ben Roethlisberger is thinking about his future uh, you know that they're not all on board with uh, Mason Rudolph and they do like Devlin Hodges um, so you know it's going to come down to either Devlin Hodges or Ben Roethlisberger all depending on what Big Ben decides to do with his future so right now I'm going to go actually, it's a hot take that it's going to be Devlin Hodges mostly because we, I just don't know what Ben Roethlisberger is going to do the Browns hot take Baker Mayfield for sure they they are sold on him uh for now uh obviously they don't have much other option really um and then the Cincinnati Bengals Andy Dalton's currently that's definitely a cold take because they have told Andy Dalton they will work with him in orchestrating a trade to get him into a better situation and then it, they're either going to take Joe Burrow or Tua Tagovaila uh whoever ultimately ends up landing in their lap whether you know somebody trades with them uh but most likely it's going to be Joe Burrow
0: now for the AFC South uh the Texans uh Deshaun Watson hot take he's going to be back uh you know the best quarterback in the division right now um Tennessee Titans that's a hot take they're gonna they're gonna have Ryan Tannehill back um I think you know there's it's too tough to ignore the success that they had um you know, in the postseason with Tana Hill, and I think that he, I think Tana Hill just kind of needed that. You know, we see that sometimes in sports. You get that kind of new scenery. You know, he, you know, he was okay in Miami, he gets moved to Tennessee, and now he's, he's going to be the guy of the future for the Titans, for the Colts, <coughs> excuse me, for the Colts. Um, Jacoby Brissett was, is their QB one? That for me is a cold take. I think the Colts go out and get a new quarterback. Um, you know, like I said, I, I've talked about the potential of, uh, Tom Brady. Here's, here's the two, th- two directions I think the Colts should go, um, or I think the co- the Colts will go because there's been a lot of speculation that the, you know, that the Colts, uh, will try and go out and get Phillip Rivers, which that, honestly, that doesn't make any sense to me. I think it, it's, it needs to be one of two things. So the reason why you wanted Tom Brady is kind of a... Uh, quote-unquote, you know, placeholder. If you want to put it as mildly as possible, um, I mean, you would be doing so uh, under the the under the plan of, hey, we've got Tom Brady in here. So whether or not our quarterback of the future is Jacoby Brissett or somebody somebody that we draft over the next couple of years, they're going to get a chance to work closely with Tom Brady, pick his brain, basically get to you know get uh, tutelage from the, you know, the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, I mean, yes, Phillip Rivers has had a, had a good career. He's been, you know, solid, but it doesn't make sense. You know, you, you, I I don't think that that's going to become a new trend where you see guys get signed just for the basis of, hey, they're going to come in and be the kind of the, um, the teacher to whoever you bring in to actually be the quarterback i you know it doesn't make sense to bring in phil rivers for a year or two and then go back to jacoby or or do something like that so um i think that they go um you know they, they do go after a new quarterback i don't think they're able to do anything really drafting wise to try to go up and um you know and try to go get a tua or go get a joe burrow um you know i think the you know chris chris ballard you know values too much of what he's got um which is not a bad thing uh to make you know an insane trade to try to get to number 1 or number 4 um and so uh that's not going to happen so i think they go and kind of look at what they've got in free agency um and that to me i think the best fit would be teddy bridgewater it's he's a good mix of veteran while still being young of course he was you know, the the savior for Minnesota until that really nasty leg injury, um, you know, kind of derailed his career for a little bit, but he showed this year with the Saints that, you know, he's good enough to be a quarterback at a high level, so uh, that's who I'm predicting comes to Indianapolis, it makes a whole lot of sense, um, you know, because they're they're not in position to get a guy like Burrow, to get a guy like Tua, and at the same time, you know, oh shucks, Chris Ballard's made such a good roster that I I don't know that you would be able to be like, oh, well, we'll just, you know, don't make any changes, we'll be bad next year and we'll get Trevor Lawrence. I think they're they're not going to be picking in the top part of the draft next year either, I don't think. So um, I, I think if, you know, you, you yes, Jacoby's solid. I don't think could, Jacoby's a bad quarterback, but they need to have another plan. I think Jacoby's going to be backing up Teddy Bridgewater this year. Um, and then the Jaguars, their quarterback number one right now uh, is Gardner Minshew, um, I think that's a cool take. They brought Doug Marone back. Um, I think to, you know, you just signed Nick Foles last year, so I think you kind of bring him, you know, you give him one more crack at it. Um, as uh, you know, you know, you paid him all the money, all that money. You you gave him an opportunity, um, and you'll have a good market for either Minshew or Foles next year for a team like potentially the Colts, so they don't make any moves uh, to go get a guy like Foles, get a guy like Minshew uh if uh you know to you know if they're not in position to draft uh fields or lawrence next year so i think nick Foles is going to be the quarterback for the jack Jagua- Jaguars uh starting off the 2020 season
1: all right so the texans it's deshaun watson it's always going to be deshaun watson so that's hot titans if they can re-sign ryan Tannehill, he is their quarterback um, obviously he's a free agent so they're going to have to compete against some people but hey he could very well end up being a franchise tag candidate for the Titans because they know what they have with him. But at the same time, they also want to keep that franchise tag in their back pocket for in case they can't come to terms with a long-term agreement with Derrick Henry. The Colts. Jacoby Brissett is currently the quarterback. You know what? I'm going with Colts. Um... And let, I mean you just it's so tough to tell which direction they're gonna go. Are they gonna go with they're gonna draft Jordan Love at thirteen and have him sit behind Jacoby Brissett for a year? I don't like that. Mostly I I, I like the idea of Jordan Love. I don't like the idea of him sitting behind Jacoby Brissett for a year because all it takes is one bad game for Jacoby Brissett and the fan base turns on him and they are wanting Jordan Love right then and there even if he is not ready and so that that causes a—I feel like that for Jacoby Brissett he would underperform because he's constantly looking over his shoulder so that's why I think it's a cold take. Honestly, I think Jacoby Brissett ends up getting cut because if the Colts do decide to cut him, his uh, cap hit is uh, not nearly as much as it would be if he were to start, if he were going to be on the roster. Um, who do they go out and sign? I don't think it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater, to be honest. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to come at too high of a cost for uh, the Colts, and I think they ultimately will go with a quarterback in the draft. They could still take Jordan uh, Love, and um, honestly, I think it's going to be a veteran. It's going to come down to two guys, either Philip Rivers, who is heavily connected to the Colts, even Melvin Gordon, the running back out of San Diego or Los Angeles now, sorry, the Chargers, is saying he thinks he doesn't know anything, but he if he had to guess, he would think Philip Rivers would end up with the Colts. Or if you like the rumor mill and you were going through the rumor mill this past week and you saw that uh, Jim Irsay's plane took off from Indianapolis, landed in upstate New York, and returned in the same day, and if you believe a random person that said they saw Tom Brady getting off that airplane, it could very well be Tom Brady. So there's a lot of different possibilities I think it comes down to either Phillip Rivers or Tom Brady, to be honest. And you have them come in as a bridge quarterback until you feel like Jordan Love is ready to go. Kind of a very similar situation with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. Because let's be honest, you need somebody that is a solid veteran quarterback that can groom a rookie. Is Jacoby Brissett that type of quarterback? No, he's not. he's He's a backup, but you're not going to demote him to backup with the cap hit that he has. So you're going to cut him and allow him an opportunity to go elsewhere, or you're going to trade him for a uh, mid to late round pick. You know, there's options there, but I just honestly, truth be told, I do not believe Jacoby Brissett will be on the roster the first day of training camp for the Indianapolis Colts. All right. Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm actually going to say Gardner Minshew is a hot take. There are a lot of rumors right now that Nick Foles is on the trading block, and unfortunately for the Jags, if they are going to trade him, which they are looking to try to do, they are going to have to package him with uh, a draft pick or two because of his current salary. Teams aren't going to want to take that on without taking something in return for it as well um and one of those teams that has been talked about as being a potential trade partner to land nick Foles is the indianapolis colts so there are some pos- there's some things rumbling there that's i feel like gardner Minshew is the uh going to be the quarterback moving forward for the jags um and most likely they will end up moving nick Foles around the nfl draft
0: Alright, last leg of the AFC here Uh, It would be the shock of the century If the Chiefs don't come back next year With Patrick Mahomes That's a hot take The Raiders, you know They've been linked here and there To other quarterbacks For that, you know, John Gruden um, You know, doesn't want Derek Carr as their quarterback he is right now and I don't really see any indication that he won't be um so Derek Carr is a hot take he's going to be back Philip Rivers is an obvious cool take because he's already been told he's not going to come back with uh the LA Chargers and I'm going to actually it's it's kind of a wild scenario but it's funny I actually realized I thought you know when I made the outline and kind of you know tweaked it for you know myself you know what my you know what i would kind of be thinking along the lines of and that kind of stuff and and kind of hashed it up a little bit um i forgot to put a team or a player down for la as far as who i thought was going to end up there um and be their starting quarterback so i did some i did some thinking and so originally i said alex smith would return to the uh washington redskins and would would res, resume his role as starter for the the team in front of Dwayne Haskins because I thought that was almost kind of a perfect scenario Dwayne Haskins now has starting um he has starting experience but you know still isn't maybe fine-tuned and ready to go so you bring back Alex Smith so he can kind of tutor um you know tutor him and be that bridge quarterback and and so now you know Dwayne Haskins has that playing experience, but also gets to pick the brain of of a uh, of a you know former number one overall pick. So that's what I was thinking there. Um, but you know, I, you know, I was thinking, you know, what would be an interesting thing? You know, Alex Smith has played. Um, in California, before he 's hungry he 's ready to go back it'd be fun to watch him go up against the chiefs. You know that might you know not that there 's any really ill will there, but you know he uh you know you, if there 's a team he would like to go up against and potentially beat it would be his replacement, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs um you know he goes back you know this is a chargers team that is not that far removed of you know contending uh for the afc west title so it'd be kind of a good situation yeah it's kind of a weird way to go with it you know you you had philip rivers and now you're trading it trading him for alex smith who's not the youngest but i think he's still younger than philip rivers so maybe you know, you try to kind of you know you know if you've got if the window is still open for your team to contend, that's probably the way to go, so I think I think uh that's who I've got. Uh, for the uh, L.A. Chargers is Alex Smith stepping in. And then Drew Locke for the Broncos. Um, I'm going to say that's a hot take. Drew Locke uh, showed some really good things. Uh, you know, he, He's one of those players uh, from the draft when he came out of Missouri that I wasn't too sure about how good he would be, but he's. Yeah, I think he's played uh, pretty well. So I think uh, he's going to be the quarterback for the Denver Broncos uh, in 2020. All right,
1: the Chiefs, I mean, come on, it's Pat Mahomes. Raiders. Derek Carr, that is a cold take. Derek Carr is looking at being traded uh, out of Las Vegas now, and the, it is reported that the Oakland Ra- or the Las Vegas Raiders are ready to offer Tom Brady a, I believe it's a two-year, four-year, $60 million contract. So, they, obviously, they are looking to move on from Derek Carr, and I think that's going to happen. Um, obviously, if they he would have to be traded, so if they can't land anybody, obviously they'll, they'll stick with him, but right now I'm going to say it's a cold take because they are actively looking to shop him. The Chargers, obviously, it's not going to be Philip Rivers. They have mutually agreed to part ways, so it's a cold take, and I'm just going to say that Justin Herbert is their day one starter, out of a rookie out of the draft. The Broncos currently have Drew Locke. I'm going to say that's a cold take, mostly because there are reports that... Um, joe flacco is going to be healthy and it is going to be coming back next year for the broncos so i think it's going to be a really kind of a 1a 1b type deal where joe flacco is going to have a very short leash and if he does struggle they will throw drew lock back out there because um john elway is a big fan of drew lock but obviously you're trying to get things turned around and a veteran presence like uh, joe flacco could be a good thing to have
0: Switching over to the NFC now, starting with the NFC East. The Philadelphia Eagles, Carson Wentz. Um, That is a hot take. I do think, though, uh, that they... (laughs) <laughs> they know the value of a good backup quarterback obviously with their run to the Super Bowl a couple years ago with Nick Foles I think they sign Marcus Mariota uh I was trying to work in where some of these free agent quarterbacks may go and I think uh signing a Marcus Mariota a guy who's won playoff games uh before I don't know that he'll demand that high of a price tag since he was a backup last year as well um so and then the Eagles go out and sign Marcus Mariota to back up uh Carson Wentz because Carson Wentz has had those uh had ha- has had you know kind of an injury plagued career um you know that might be good to have Cowboys Dak Prescott that is a hot take Uh, Dak Prescott, you know, I don't really understand where a lot of the hate comes from. He's proved time and time again that he is a good quarterback and good for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. Daniel Jones for the New York Giants. That's a hot take. Uh, He will be the starter week one in 2020. And then the Redskins, Case Keenum, uh, was their QB1 towards the end of the year. Um, And then uh, I think that's a cold take. It's going to be Dwayne Haskins. He's going to take the reins and be the uh, starter for the Redskins in 2020.
1: All right, the Eagles, Carson Wentz, yeah, he's their guy. Um, There are some rumblings that, you know, like I talked about earlier, Nick Foles is on the – they're looking to shop – the Jaguars are shopping Nick Foles potentially. um, And the Eagles actually popped up as a potential landing spot for him to reunite with that team. The Cowboys, they're trying to come to a a long-term agreement with Dak Prescott. I know their name's been thrown out there for trying to go after Tom Brady. I think, honestly, everybody's going to go after Tom Brady, uh, unless you have like an MVP candidate as your quarterback already. Everybody's going to try to go after him. But ultimately, the Cowboys stick with Dak Prescott. They know they have it too good with him. Giants and Daniel Jones, another hot take. Giants uh, moved up to, to get Daniel Jones last year. They were really high on him. Redskins, I agree with you, Craig. Uh, it's a cold take with Case Keenum. Obviously, he's going to be on his way out the door. There's a lot of rumbling that Case Keenum may end up – If the Colts decide to cut Jacoby Brissett, that Case Keenum could end up with the Colts as a backup quarterback, which would be a a great deal. And Dwayne Haskins would be the ultimate starter for the Redskins. Um, he's, He's too good to sit on the sidelines too much longer.
0: For the NFC North, starting with the Packers, Aaron Rodgers. No questions asked. Hot take there. Uh, Kirk Cousins is a hot take for the Vikings, although I don't know that he is there past the end of his contract. I believe that this is the last year of Kirk Cousins' contract. Um, With the Bears, Mitchell Trubisky. This is a cold take for me. going to go out there on a little bit of a limb. I think this is where Phillip Rivers signs. Uh, Phillip Rivers is going to – he's got talent around him. He's got – you know he's got uh he's got Allen Robinson he's got um a lot of different guys he can go to offensively he's got a good defense behind him uh you know led by Khalil Mack uh so i think this is where he goes to kind of make a you know he doesn't have Patrick Mahomes to deal with you know over in the AFC he doesn't have Tom Brady to deal with potentially uh in the NFC so I, I think this is where he goes uh to make that kind of last-ditch push um to get to the playoffs to get to the Super Bowl potentially not that I not that I think adding Philip Rivers makes the Bears Super Bowl contenders but I think that's where he goes to try and contend uh one last time and then with the Lions uh, Matthew Stafford, that's a hot take. He's going to be the quarterback uh, for them week one as well. I think they use their their draft pick. You know, yes, they could potentially go get a quarterback. I know that's what's been rumored, but uh, I think they use that to address other needs.
1: Packers, obviously, it's Aaron Rodgers. Vikings, they have no choice but to stick with Kirk Cousins with the amount of money they're paying him. The Bears, it is definitely not going to be Mitchell Trubisky. Who is it going to be? It could be Philip Rivers. That's it's pretty close to home for him. Uh, yeah. I don't know, but I, I mean, I could see the Bears end up ultimately uh, being kind of stuck with Mitchell Trubisky, or I could see them taking a flyer and trying to get a guy like uh, Jordan Love. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see wh- how the Bears' offseason unfolds with how they go about handling the Mitchell Trubisky situation. Lions. It's a hot take with Matthew Stafford. Uh, I don't think they're going to draft a quarterback early. If anything, they're going to act like they're going to draft a quarterback, and then they're going to get a king's ransom for that number three pick uh, for somebody that thinks they're going to take Tua or they want to get ahead of Miami or whatever it may be um, because this is a win-now situation for the the Lions. The uh, current regime is on a very hot seat. So they need to acquire assets, whether that's draft picks or ready players that are ready to play and win right now. So I think talking like you're going to take a quarterback or to taking a is a great thing because then people are going to be coming at you hard because they want to try to get him uh, when they are more needy for him. So, But ultimately, I think it's Matthew Stafford is the quarterback going into the season. If he gets hurt, obviously you go with David Blau and you're comfortable with that.
0: NFC South, starting with the Saints, Drew Brees actually just uh, announced that he's coming back uh for his uh 20 for the 2020 season um and he's gonna come back for the saints there's no way he doesn't uh play for the new to, for the new orleans saints next year um and it also felt I, you know, i'm glad he chose to come back it kind of felt as time went on you know hey if he was going to retire he would have done it already that's kind of how it felt like to me at least um so glad to see him coming back and he's going to come back for the saints uh buccaneers Jameis winston Uh, It's a hot take for me I think he's going to be the quarterback I know there's been some speculation that he may be moved uh, But I I don't think he will be Uh, Panthers, their QB1 At least at the end of the year was Will Greer Um, I think that They signed Case Keenum as a backup Because of all the injuries to Cam Newton But it's almost like cam newton's falling off the face of the earth like we uh, you know yeah he's been injured but i feel like no one's talking about him as far as you know coming back and and being you know back to form so i I think that's what's going to happen cam newton's going to come back you know i think you know cam newton's healthy cam newton healthy is one of the better quarterbacks in the league so um i think that's what they roll with and for the falcons they're going to run it back with matt ryan
1: all right, Saints, Drew Brees, obviously, because he's announced it. Even though he is a free agent, they're going to figure it out. The Buccaneers, Jameis Winston. I'm going to say this is a cold take. The starting quarterback come day one for the Buccaneers is going to be Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, the Panthers, you know, I'm going to say this is a hot take. It's going to be Will Greer. Um, I, I feel like they're ready. They're going to move on from Cam Newton, I don't know why they would do that. It's just, it just seems like that's the, the move they're going to be ready to make. And, I honestly, I could see Cam Newton ending up in uh, Chicago. That would be a great fit for him and for the Bears. The Falcons, obviously, yes. Hot take, Matt Ryan, he's not going anywhere. Uh, he's He's solid.
0: Finally, for the NFC West, uh, this is really gonna just be hot across the board. Jimmy Garoppolo uh, for the uh, San Francisco 49ers, and I, I, you know, B Scott, like you said, you know, um, if you have a chance to sign Tom Brady, do it. Unless you've got a quarterback already in place that's, that's you know an MVP candidate. I know there's been some rumors that Tom Brady would sign, or you know, would sign with the 49ers. Or the 49ers will try to go out and get him. It doesn't make sense to me just because you just made it to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo it's not as if Jimmy Garoppolo played bad during the regular season the postseason or even really in the Super Bowl Um, you know it's not like Garoppolo gave this catastrophic performance where you think about moving off of him Um, I don't think I I, I don't know I I still think you do that to your quarterback as far as a confidence standpoint as well I don't think you you know move off of him just to be like well you know what you understand right we're gonna bring the guy who you used to back up in for a couple of seasons so he can you know hopefully be what we need to win a super bowl and then eh, once he retires then maybe we'll co- we'll have you come back i don't think that's the right message to send your guy um especially because they you know traded for him and extended him so jimmy G's going to be the quarterback of the niners uh russell wilson uh obviously is going to be the quarterback again for the seahawks they're going to run it back there jared goff um Crazy to think that a couple of years ago, um, you know, he was looked at as a bust. Um, he, you know, obviously led his team to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and we'll see what happens, but they're going to run it back. The Rams are with Jared Goff and then Kyler Murray. Uh, you know, no indications that he will not be the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals come week one. So, um, yeah, pretty much the NFC is going to be all the same uh, come next season.
1: Yeah, NFC West, there's going to be no changes. Jimmy G is your quarterback for the 49ers. Guys, He got outperformed by Patrick Mahomes. Pat Mahomes is a really good quarterback. Jimmy G's not on the same level as Pat Mahomes, but not many quarterbacks out there are. So let's not throw Jimmy G under the bus quite yet because he's a good quarterback. I mean, he's a really good quarterback. I would love to have him suiting up for the Colts right now. I think he would be an instant winner for the Colts. Russell Wilson, obviously, he's not going anywhere. He's the heart and soul of that Seahawks team. Jared Goff, they just need to get healthy. Obviously, they, they were pretty injured, beat up this year, and that just so happened the NFC West was probably the best division in football. Uh, so he's not going anywhere. And obviously, Kyler Murray's going into his sophomore season. Come on. They know they need to put more weapons around him, and that's what they're going to do. They have an opportunity to take Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb in the draft this year to give him some good weapons. Obviously, if you put CD Lamb in there, there's some continuity there between him and Kyler Murray as well. So, yeah, he's not going anywhere either. The NFC West is staying put the way it is at quarterback.
0: That will do it for this week's edition of the Crash Course podcast. We'll be back on Tuesday uh, next week. Uh, make sure that you like us on Facebook, Crash Course Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at CrashCourseFM, and make sure you go to Anchor.fm/slash Crash uh, Crash Course. That's the best way um, to uh, to find the podcast. You can, um, you know, also uh, leave us voice messages if you want. Interact with us that way if you'd like to go that route your comments may be included in a podcast um like i said we'll be back next tuesday you can hear us on anchor.fm or wherever podcasts can be heard everybody have a good week and we'll see you next time